I'm Richard. And I'm Gary. And these are our incredible stories. Welcome, everyone, to our Salem Witchcraft event, part three. We have some interesting information to add to the story uh, that we have been telling for the past two weeks. Last week, we learned that an accused witch will say just about anything in court to save her life. And we heard her exact words from a 300-year-old trial transcript, which has survived to this day. Mm -hmm. Oh, and let me add this in there. For any of you that were uh, concerned about us because of the uh, the light bulb that blew out, uh, nothing has happened since then. Uh, we are still okay and not hexed. There you go. We I think we've uh, <laughs> experienced history, but nothing more than that. <laughs> that's it. That's H- it. Historical recreation when we did the uh-huh. when we did the egg white experiment, but uh, nothing more than that. In any event. Um, we're now at the point where the village uh, and city authorities throughout the entire Massachusetts Bay Colony back in 1692, I think it's safe to say they were going berserk. Uh, Satan was in their midst. They were beyond horrified. Mm. So they decided to use any means at their disposal to put the fires of hell out that were raging on their earth. And so by this time, uh, the hysteria has spread and it's involving hundreds of people. Hundreds of people beyond a few of the ones that we highlighted last week. Hundreds now. Did this spread outside of Salem? After When it started, did it just start in Salem and then spread out? Yes, yes. It started in Salem Village, which is smaller than Salem Town, spread to Salem Town, spread to the entire Massachusetts Bay Colony. Holy cow. Yeah, and uh, as I mentioned, hundreds, hundreds became wrapped up in this whole nonsense. As far as I'm concerned, it was just nonsense, but... The uh, authorities uh, were going to use whatever means uh, was at their disposal to stamp this stuff out, this supernatural nightmare. So they began to use what today we might call enhanced interrogation techniques to discover who might be a witch. By the way, some of these techniques that we're going to be talking about have been used in modern times. So really? if some of them sound familiar, uh, they are. And uh, they trace back, at least back into the 1690s and possibly even earlier than that. Well, that's shocking. But anyways, Satan's human assistants were going to all be exposed with no stone unturned. So let's dig right in to some of the enhanced interrogation techniques. We know that if you were accused of a witch, you'd have a, a hearing in court. And we read the transcripts of a couple of those hearings last week. That we did. Tichaba and uh, Sarah, Sarah Good, Good and yeah. Sarah Osborne. And then after that, all three were remanded to jail where they would be questioned further. Right. Now, I can't uh, sit here tonight and tell you that they endured any of these enhanced interrogation techniques, but they could well have. Uh, and the first one we're going to talk about is trial by water. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is part of that infamous swimming test uh, where accused witches were dragged to the nearest body of water. They were stripped to their undergarments, bound, and then tossed in to see if they would sink or float. So they tied their arms and legs up? Yeah, and uh, I I don't know about you, but if my arms and legs were tied up and I were thrown into a body of water, I'd I'd at least guess that I were going to sink. Yeah, 
Yeah, I would think so. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, they believe, the Puritans believe that uh, witches uh, spurned the sacrament of baptism. It was thought that the water would reject their body and prevent them from submerging. So if you were one of the fortunate people that did not sink to the bottom but floated, then you were guilty. It's a double-edged sword. You're going to die from drowning or you're going to die because they pull you out of the water because you were floating. Yeah, and you couldn't guarantee, uh, they couldn't uh, guarantee that they'd uh, drag you out before you did indeed drown. So mm-hmm. this, was a, this was a trial that, um, you know, your, the odds were against you no matter what the outcome yeah. Oh, man. How do you explain that to somebody? I mean, you know, oh, we, we tossed them in the water. Good thing is they're not a witch because they drowned. Sad thing, though, we're going to have to have a funeral because such and so drowned. Yeah, and that got rid of the I problem. Mean, <laughs> oh, well, you know what? Oh. Maybe they maybe they were a witch anyways. Oh, well, they're gone now. Out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. A uh, victim uh, typically had a rope tied around their waist so they could be pulled out of the water if they sank, but it wasn't <sighs> unusual for accidental drowning deaths to occur in that test. Yeah, I, well, I can understand why. Now, another test they used was the prayer test. This is the prayer test. <clears throat> this theory goes all the way back to medieval times in England that... They held that witches were incapable of speaking scripture aloud. So mm-hmm. accused witches were made to recite selections from the Bible, usually the Lord's Prayer, without making any mistakes or omissions. Now, if any errors occurred, that was proof that the speaker was in league with the devil. That's ridiculous. So if you were frightened to death, the chances are you might make a mistake in your recitation. Of course. If you had dementia, there's a good possibility you would make a mistake. Yeah. Uh, There are so many reasons why you could make a mistake while trying to recite scripture perfectly that, uh, again, the odds were stacked against you in the prayer test. It's, you know, I want to say it's hard to believe that people would naturally assume that the person was... Um, possessed or or touched by the devil because they were panicking and couldn't see everything perfectly. But these were different times, and people had a different way of thinking. Oh, yeah, and uh, they actually believed that sometimes when Salem, uh, when the Satan touched you, he left his mark. Right, those were like if you had moles or skin tags or something like that or a freckle. Mm-hmm. Where'd you that get was, them? That was the touch of the devil. It wasn't like, yeah. oh, you have a skin condition. Yeah, no, 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 that was that was the devil's work. Yeah. So um, this was this was a, another instance of um, where chances are you're not going to come out of it um, being um, found innocent. And uh, this brings us to that third test that I wanted to talk about, uh, the mark of the devil. And uh, that's why they uh, stripped suspects, publicly examined them for uh, signs of any unsightly blemish. And uh, as you mentioned, it was moles, did you mention birthmarks? Birthmarks would be a big part of it, yeah. Scars. And, you know, there could be a lot of scars from accidents. Of uh, course. And then sores even. And listen, these weren't the most sanitary of times. They, no. didn't, they didn't wash on a daily basis. No, of course not. Well, I mean, and even farmers, if you've ever looked at somebody who works in the fields or, or does something that's very labor intensive, their hands are all calloused and, and have sores. Dry. I mean, it's... It's not a pretty thing to look at. They're working hands. So I I just don't see how they could use that as as proof, you know. I, I don't know. I, again, a lot of these things, they baffle me about the way they thought back then, but it was a different time. 
Yes, it sure was. And uh, I, I think associated with this also is uh, the fact that sometimes these poor souls were required to uh, stay chained or, or tied to a, a chair uh, naked, and they were observed to see if any bugs or mice or rat or any anything approached them. Do you know why? Because it would be a devil's familiar. Yes. Uh, what's a familiar, Gary? Oh, well, according to uh, some of the texts dealing with these type things, a familiar is um, the way that the witch can communicate with the devil. Um, so it could be a hair. It could be, and I don't mean like a hair on your head, like a rabbit. Uh, it could be a cat. It could be an insect, a snake, a lizard, or any, any one of these things. And anybody who had a cat or had unusual animal pets, um, they would see those people as being a witch because those animals could be familiars to the devil. Um, a great movie, which we'll go into later on um, when we're wrapping up all of the, the things with the Salem Witch Trial and how film and popular media has played into this and the way we think about it. Um, one of the films that I've really enjoyed watching is The Witch, uh, which came out, um, I think, around 2016, 2017, somewhere around there. And I'll look up the dates uh, later on, but it is a story that's meant to be an early uh, 1600s Massachusetts witch story. And this film not only nails the dialect of the time, but it really does delve into the Puritan beliefs, how people were outcasts and shunned, but what it meant when a witch was stalking a person or a family and they go into this tale because it's not based on fact, it's based on folklore from that period of time and what it would be like if there really were witches that lived amongst people in these small communities. But uh, it shows the familiars in the film and they do it in a very eerie way where they're not doing anything special, but they, they create this sense of unease and everything that, that surrounds these animals that are constantly outside of the house or in the woods in the darkest parts, observing the family and, and knowing their every move. So, um, but again, if you want to see something that uh, kind of shows a little bit more of how the Puritans actually saw or how they believed in these kind of things, I strongly suggest watching that film. It's great for the month of October, that's for sure. That's called The Witch. And I'm just thinking, too, that uh, can you imagine sitting there? They didn't have screens on their windows, and uh, they didn't have screen doors or anything like that. So can you imagine sitting there and uh, not being bothered by uh, a fly, for example, or something crawling on the, on the dirt floor? Um, mm -hmm. And there, there you go. If something like that appeared, and it was most likely that it would in those circumstances, then... Uh, you were, you know, starting to look guilty because that uh, was probably a familiar from the devil. Well, even more than that, I mean, if you're if you're bound naked on a chair, uh, and you're not allowed to go anywhere or do anything, we talked about sores. You're going to develop sores from just being on those hard surfaces, having the chains rub against your skin or the shackles rubbing against your skin, and that natural. Um, getting infections and things like that, the odor would attract unwanted critters that would come out of curiosity. And of course, you have to imagine that these prisons or jails that people would have been uh, bound up in, 
naturally would have a problem with mice or rats or other uh, oh, critters that would horrific. come in. So you cannot base that alone on a person when the situation is what's causing these things to happen. Right. Those, those were dark, dank, damp, sometimes uh, very unsanitary uh, cells in those uh, old colonial jails. Oh, sure. And I strongly recommend people uh, look it up because uh, they actually were able to unearth some of the original uh, jails and prisons in uh, what used to be uh, Salem. Mm -hmm. uh, was it Salem Town or Salem Settlement? Salem Village. Salem Village, where Salem Village was. And I'm telling you right now, when you see some of the pictures, it is, you, you can imagine how bad it really was uh, for people back then to be jailed in, in what it, those prisons and jails looked like. We do have a reconstructed jail, colonial jail, in Colonial Williamsburg, so people can actually see one rather than uh, depend strictly on their imagination. One of the other uh, enhanced interrogation techniques uh, that the, uh, was used at the time was called the pricking tests. Now, witch hunting theories subscribed to the belief that the marks of the devil were sensitive to pain and couldn't bleed. So, examiners used specially designed needles, Gary. Oh, my gosh. And they repeatedly stabbed and pricked at the accused person's flesh. Mmm... Now, of course, some people would say, enough, 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 I'm going to confess I'm a witch. Yeah. And, of course, that was the purpose of these tests. Of course it was. Another uh, <clears throat> test they had, which was uh, very brutal, was called the thrawing of the head. Thrawing. What is that? Well, they <clears throat> twisted a material uh, such as uh, rope or rolled cloth uh, around the forehead uh, tied a knot, put a little stick in the knot, and then they twisted, and they oh. twisted, and they twisted, and they twisted until some people, their skull just caved in. I remember seeing this video on YouTube where they kept putting rubber bands around a watermelon until it exploded from the pressure. Yeah. And that's the only thing I can see in my head right now when you describe them putting something material around the head and twisting it tightening it more and more around the person's skull i just see that watermelon mm -hmm. and uh it, it had to have been intensely painful oh my gosh that point. talk uh, about so, a migraine oh and how so anyhow uh, these tests were designed to extract confessions and uh, for the most part they were successful in in extracting confessions. The, the next one that uh, I'd like to talk about, and it's really the last of the enhanced uh, interrogation techniques, is one that the Viet Cong used in the Vietnam War. So I, I can't uh, sit here and tell you that the Viet Cong knew their Puritan history. I doubt American they did. History, but um, this, is, this is a torture that was used on American uh, prisoners <clears throat> in Vietnam. And uh, in colonial days, in the 1600s, early 1700s, they referred to it as the payer of pinchers. And payer was spelled an unusual way back then, P-A-Y-R-E, payer of pinchers. And the jailer or interrogator had uh, a pretty heavy metal object uh, that was kind of like a, a nutcracker or a, a giant uh, like pliers nail, nail clipper or something or pliers uh. <clears throat> and they would uh, attach it 
to the rim of your fingernail uh, and then they would slowly peel oh, no. the fingernail away from the no. flesh until it was sticking straight up at a 90 de degree no. angle with the finger then with that instrument they would slowly rip uh, that nail from the finger and if that wasn't excruciating enough, yeah. here come the pins, no. and we start sticking the pins oh. in that num num. Why do they have to mess with pins? Yeah. Come on, folks, <laughs> Puritans, get your act together. Yeah. So uh, that, believe it or not, uh, was uh, one of the torture tests that survived on into the 20th century. You know, it's literally know. inhumane. Yeah, who knows? It may still be used in some places oh, today. I we wouldn't, don't know. I wouldn't doubt it. The last of the um, tests, uh, not nearly as brutal, but uh, it had the most common desired outcome. And this is where uh, people would denounce their neighbors. I denounce you as a witch. Uh -huh. And the other corollary to that is, yes, I confess to being a witch. Mm -hmm. So those are the two most common ways that the Puritans got a determination on this. Either you confessed or you denounced somebody. Right, but I mean, if you end up confessing, then you're you're going to get killed anyway. Well, we'll find out what happened to Tichaba. She. Uh, oh, but well, did she did she pronounce herself to be a witch? I thought she used um, a, some very creative storytelling techniques to accuse uh, the other two of actually being in league with the devil yeah. and then throwing a fit on the ground as though she had become possessed by... Let's just say if she didn't cross the line, she came mighty close. Really? Okay. <laughs> so we'll find out more about her the next time. And uh, <clears throat> by the way, some uh, people were made to stand without rest during very lengthy sessions of questioning and, and they would eventually give in to confessing also. So it's really hard to believe that the area that gave us the first Thanksgiving, according to tradition, also gave us the Salem witch trials. That's true. Now, uh, in wrapping up this episode, um, one of the things that I think is most important to understand is that they have proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that in these extreme uh, interrogation situations, people will confess to crimes uh, or to things, to deeds that they've done, only because they can no longer bear the yeah. the stress of the situation. Just to make the pain stop. Exactly, and so it's you know it's sad to say that a lot of innocent people at this time mm -hmm. confess to doing things that they, they never they did, had, right? Yeah, they, and, and things that were complete fiction. I mean, to to literally believe that evil spirits had taken over the town of Salem because of a, a, a silly little game that was played by these yeah. two girls. It's just incomprehensible. It is. That's what makes it so incredible. Next week, Gary, we're going to learn the fate of the people in our cast of characters and find out how this incredible story ends for them. All right. Well, as always, I'm Richard. And I'm Gary. And this is an incredible story.